Feels like there's more of you here than there were last week. No, I, I had a fantastic Easter with y'all. And actually, there's a tradition in, in some traditions, not necessarily ours, is that the Sunday after Easter is um, a Sunday in which they uh, play pranks on one another. Um, I don't know. I think that's maybe Eastern Orthodox. I'm not sure. But um, they, it's a time where everyone gets up and tells knock-knock jokes, and they just celebrate again, but in a different way. And we're not going to do that today. We're going to just keep doing what we're doing. We're actually starting a new sermon series today called Connected, uh, where we're trying, to, we're trying to pay attention to the ways God has connected with us, even in times where it feels like we may be disconnected. I don't know if you've ever been there, where it just seems like God's not there. Like God, is, God is, we know He is, we know He exists, we know God exists, but we, don't, we have a hard time with this idea that He's present, or that He loves us, or that He's with us. Uh, that Maybe even that He's for us, and He's excited. And that he, all those things, we know He exists, but I'm just not sure about Him in this place right now. I think there's some reasons for that, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But throughout this series, we're going to be looking at people who have done things that maybe we would think God has maybe pulled back from them, but what we find is that He consistently chases after them even though they have sinned. And I would argue that's the case for you. Is that you are a broken person. You are... you. You are a sinner. All of us, right? I am, you are, we all, we all are. Whether it's a very public way or a very private way, we mess up. We do not uh, succeed in following Jesus all the time. So when we do that, we, gotta, we wonder, is God still there for us? I grew up in a tradition that asked uh, seriously... The question, if you get hit by a train and swear right before it hits you, do you go to heaven with that unforgiven sin on your heart? That was actually, that was a, that was a paradox in my tradition. And I don't know if that was the way your group worked, but that's how ours group, our group worked. Bunch of saints trying not to swear while we got hit by trains. I'm not sure that's how it works. Actually, I'm very confident that is not how it works. That's not what we find in the God who sent His Son so that we might find life. He is not just waiting on us, hoping we trip up so that He can abandon us for good and let us die in our sin. I don't think that's the God we worship. And actually, I can prove it to you. There's a priest named Ezekiel. Ezekiel is not one of those books of the Bible that you've probably read all the way through. One, it's a quite long book. And two, it's longer than that. It's one of those. It's got a lot of words, but then you you start reading them and you think, what in the world does this mean? You'll find in Ezekiel chapter 2, which we're not going to go there, but in Ezekiel chapter 2, God has called Ezekiel to be his prophet and speak for him. And then he says, all right, here's what you're going to do first. Okay, God, what are we going to do? Build a big church, maybe? Uh, Get me a, 
get me a private jet, let me fly around Babylon, see what happens? What, what do you got for me to do? No, you're going to lie on your side for a really long time. Not hours, days. So much so that we're going to have to figure out how the food prep is going to work while you're lying on your side. That's ridiculous. It just gets, it, and it's not that exciting. It, he's, uh, the, uh, Ron and I were laughing about there's a, there's a time where he, he says, all right, gather, gather everyone on your, around your house. Now, punch a hole in the wall. That's in, the, that's in there. He's, he says, punch, just punch a hole in the wall, and this will signify that. So God calls Ezekiel to be a crazy person. Now, Ezekiel is, a, is an interesting case because Ezekiel was a priest. Well, is a priest. But when you say Ezekiel's a priest, what, sometimes we think of priests and it's, 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 it's a different priest. We think of the collar and the, you know, and this and the confessions. And priests today, like Catholic priests, have an easier job than the, the, the Jewish priests did. If you're a Jewish priest... You are pretty much a religious butcher. You, you, you go to work and you don't hear, conf- well, you do hear some confessions, but after each confession, you got to slaughter an animal. A good day at the office for a Jewish priest was one in which blood got all over him. Killing cows and doves and goats and and. and you, you, you want, one of your main jobs is to take the blood from a slaughtered animal and throw it on things. That's, that's just true. Now we think of priests, we got the decorated garb, and yeah, that's nice, but that's not necessarily what they did. But one of the benefits of this, one of the beautiful things of this, is that they got to work where God lived. A lot of you are teachers. Have you ever seen one of your students, especially one of your younger students, at uh, Walmart? And they give you that look like, wait, you exist here too? They, I get the same thing. I'll go to Walmart and Hey, hey, what are you doing? Groceries? Wow. Isn't that funny? Preacher goes to Walmart too. And so you kind of have that, that people think you are at a certain place. Now in God's particular instance, this is true. He was at the temple. You didn't run into God at Walmart. You ran into him at the temple. And so you didn't, if you wanted to go see God, he was at the temple. And if you wanted to communicate or worship with God, you went to the priests and the priest helped you because they lived there. They didn't live there. They worked there with God. They could point. They could turn and point. They were so close to where they believed God actually was that they could pick up a rock and throw it and hit where God lived. Pretty easily. Probably with their non-dominant hand. So they, they had this, this very close connection with God, God. We're sacrificing out here. There's an altar. There's a table. And just back there, that's God. God's back there. And once a year, the, the most honored of us gets to go back there and be in the presence of God. The place they called the Holy of Holies. 
So he worked in the place where God was. And then in 586 B.C., 586 years before the turn of time, before Christ, the Babylonian people marched in, marched in to Jerusalem and tore the temple to the ground. Now for us, it's just like if this, if a tornado comes through and tears this building to the ground, we'll just think, well, the insurance will take care of it. We'll rebuild, re, rebuild it, probably put some more space in here. We'll figure this out. Next Easter, we won't just be so cramped. But for them, you remember, remember, that's where God was. They didn't leave the Holy of Holies standing. They tore the thing to the ground, destroyed it, destroyed the city, and then marched out of there and took all those people away from their homes, away from Jerusalem to the Babylonian kingdom up by the Tigris and the Euphrates in Mesopotamia. Now for us, we have a hard time um, grasping this because we we can just hop on a plane and travel somewhere um, and get in our cars and travel somewhere. But for them... What they did was they, they um, if they were to, it, it would be as if they came in here, got all of us and said, you are all now working for us. They rope, uh, tied our hands together and our feet together and tied us to each other. So you were tied to the person in front of you. And then they walked you from here to Montgomery, Alabama. That's the distance they felt from their home. And not just from their home, but from the place they knew God was. And so if you're Ezekiel, if you're the people of Israel, there is one nagging question. Where's God now? I think you've probably had that question too. Maybe in you, in you felt um, been hit by sickness or grief or depression or... Um, poverty maybe somebody in your family really hates you and you can't figure out why and now there's this rift in your family and you think where's God in all of this so Ezekiel lost his home he lost his job and if you can put yourself in his shoes it feels as though he lost his God And then Ezekiel 1 happens. And Ezekiel 1, I'm going to read the whole thing. They tell you, do not read whole chapters of the Bible from the pulpit. But this is such a crazy chapter of the Bible. Y'all have got to experience it. So if you're an auditory learner, like if you you like listening to audiobooks or um, podcasts or something like that, and you're better doing that, don't look at the screen. But if you're a reader and you can experience things reading um, and imagine things while you're reading... um, then read along with me. Um, those of you over here who get distracted, pay attention to this screen. It'll be easier. Your brain will do that trick. It just, it's, it's how your brain works. Ask Debbie props, right? This way? Okay. So, this is Ezekiel chapter 1. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, 
the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened up, and I saw visions of God. Now, quickly, realize this is crazy. God's never been anywhere for Ezekiel except the Holy of Holies. That's where he's lived. Now, they've been in, they've been in captivity about five years, that verse 2 says. But we're going to skip over to verse 4. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flash, flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal. Real quick, stop there. Look, he, he's going to do this a lot. It had the appearance of, it looked like. He's not saying it was this. He's saying it looked like this. I just want to point that out and pay attention how often that happens. Okay? It looked like, the center of the fire looked like glowing metal. And in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. Not four, not it was four living creatures. It looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was a human. But each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs, it's so funny how quickly he goes from... It looked like a human, except it had four faces and four wings and hooves. <laughs> but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight. Their feet were like those of a calf and gleam like burnished bronze. Have you ever had a child tell you a dream? Like, there's parts of me, and maybe I'm just a horrible human being, that when my children are telling me about their dreams, I think, you're lying. They probably are, especially when the second one has the, had the exact same dream. But there are, so, so they're telling you a dream and you're thinking, I can't keep up with this. This is weird language. We were at our house, but it wasn't our house. It was the ball pit at McDonald's um, from 1992. And then there's, a, and, 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 and Winston was there from, and so who's with? I don't know, but it looked like granddad. And you're like, wow, who is why is your language doesn't even make sense? This is Ezekiel 1 is the hardest chapter in the Bible, maybe save one from Jeremiah, in, in Hebrew to read. The Hebrew in this sounds like someone is just quickly trying to figure out what exactly what they're looking at. It's so sporadic and the sentences don't end and the words, there's some words that they're not even sure are actually words. They're just trying to figure out the closest approximate meaning. So it looks like these things. In the appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight. Their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. And all four of them had faces and wings. And the hands of, of, of one touched the wings of another. Each one w went straight ahead and they did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of, had, each of the four had the face of a human being. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. And on the left, the face of an ox. Ox, and also the, they had the face of an eagle. I'm guessing that's on the back or the top. I'm not sure. Such were their faces. They each had two wings spreading out upward, each wing touching that of the creature on either side, and each had two other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go without turning as, there went, as they went. There's a weird thing happening here. It started out as a windstorm, and now it becomes a spirit. 
Uh, wind and spirit are the same Hebrew word. Same, actually, the same thing in Greek, too. Uh, where the, the, you say wind, you can say spirit, and you mean the same thing. Okay, so they go wherever the spirit or the wind goes. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. Yes, Ezekiel, tell us of the wheels. (laughs) They sparkled like topaz and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions. The creatures faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creatures went. My favorite verse in all of the Bible, Ezekiel 1.18. Their rims were high and awesome. <laughs> they were 22s. Their rims were high and awesome. And all four rims. No, remember, he's describing a thing that's coming toward him. Their rims were high and awesome. And all four rims were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the wheels beside them moved. And when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go. And the wheels would rise along with them. Because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When the creatures moved, they also moved. When the creatures stood still, they also stood still. And when the creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose along with them because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Spread out above their heads, uh, spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like a vault sparkling like crystal and awesome. The NIV translates it awesome. It could be like uh, terrifying or fearful or something to that effect. Under the vault, their wings were stretched out uh, one toward the other, and each had two wings covering its bodies. When the creatures moved, I heard a sound of their wings, like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered... Notice, like this, it's like that, it's like this. It's not, it is this, it is that, it is this. It's just, when we catch glimpses of God, sometimes, or at least it was this way for Ezekiel, it's hard to put a finger on exactly what it is. We just kind of have to tell you what it's like. It's like this, it's like that. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. Then there came a voice from above the vault, above their heads, as they stood. So we, get, we got, kind of got this picture. We've got these wheels on the ground. And then there's this fire in the middle. And the four living creatures. And each of the four living creatures has four faces. That looks like a, a human face. An ox, a lion, an eagle. And it's moving just so quickly. And fires jumping back and forth. And above them there's this, uh, there, there's this, this thing that looks like just ice. And it's, it, it's beautiful. And there's something on top. Of it. Then there came a voice from above, the voice above their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of, I don't know the word, lapis lazuli. Anyone helping me with that? Didn't know what it was when I was studying it? Don't know now. Holy Spirit's not helping me out. We're going to keep moving. It was an awesome throne. That, the, the throne was high and awesome. 
And high above the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what, what appeared to be his waist up, from what, notice how confused he is. What appeared to be his waist up. Not like what, his waist. This, this image is so crazy. It appeared to be his waist. It's not his waist. From what appeared to be his waist, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. That was, that from there, and that from there down, he looked like just fire, and brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. Notice, this has got to be the craziest experience of Ezekiel's life. He's wondering where God is. And then God rolls up like this. What was it like? I can only, what was it, Ezekiel? I can only tell you what it was like. I think we often have the same problem that Ezekiel has. That we have, that Jesus came and God is now no longer bound to the temple, but He dwells within us. That His Spirit is within us. His Spirit is in with, within this group of people that I'm looking at. And we leave here and God starts to come with us and we say, no, could you go back home? Could you go back to the building? I think oftentimes when we feel disconnected with God, it's because we have built Him a home and asked Him to stay there. And then we get out of this place And we wonder, well, where is he? And I would argue that God is much bigger than this place. And actually, what I I think happens, no one ever does this. No one ever says, well, like they'll go to a beautiful experience. They'll go to like see the Grand Canyon for the first time. And you're just in awe and you think. And someone walks up and says, well, what was it like? No one ever says, it was like church. No one ever compares fantastic experiences to this one hour a week. Now, this one hour a week sometimes can be so beautiful and so vibrant and so full of worship and so full of joy and grace and peace and love that people will say, well, how was church? And you say, I just can't. You'd have to have been there. Because God's, God's hard to label, but we are in the labeling business. We like to do it with people. And we're actually pretty proficient at labeling God. God is in that place, and He's He's there when I'm there, and He's not there when uh, whenever I'm not there. And God is there, and we disconnect our life from God. And what God wants to do is to roll up right where you are. And I would argue that he actually does and you don't notice it. 
You haven't, you haven't given him credit. My mom likes to garden. She'll say things like, uh, I just love getting my hands in the ground. It's therapeutic. Maybe you got something like that. Um, for me, it's playing the piano. I don't know how. I just beat the keys. But I've got a pi- we've got a piano in our, our, our room, a little um, keyboard. And if I'm feeling stressed at times, I can just go in there and sit down. It used to be the, drum, the drums for me, but I don't own a drum set anymore. I have children. But there's, there's something amazing about just, just playing music, just beating things with sticks. You can quote me on that. So the, for me, it's music. For you, it might be something else. For you, it might be a sport or um, the, people who talk to me about hunting. I've never been hunting, but people who talk to me about hunting talk in ways that, that it, it's above, for me, it would, it's like, do you want to go shoot something? But they would, everyone would tell you it's much more than that. Being out there in the woods, the break of dawn, smells are different, the air is clean. You experience something you can't explain to other people. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to explain something you love? To somebody to whom it doesn't really all that much matter. You ever talk to somebody about Harry Potter? When you're not all that into Harry Potter? And they're like, I went... My sister-in-law, uh, who doesn't listen to the sermons online, and I can talk about freely. I said, well, she loves Harry. And we were, having, we were eating um, lunch last Sunday. She... Her and my dad just got into this big discussion about, about Harry Potter. We, the rest of us had to just sit there and listen. And they loved it. And, but it's hard for them to explain what they loved. It's hard for my mom to explain to me what it feels like to just get your hands dirty. And it's hard for me to explain to her what it feels like to just, just that, that moment when you put your fingers on the keys and music's just waiting. That's, that's hard to explain. Have you ever noticed when you watch a movie that you love or read a book that you love, you don't talk about your favorite parts? You just have a hard time explaining it to people. What is saving you right now? What is saving you right now? There's stress. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a grandchild. Grandchildren have a, a better way of saving you than children often do. That's why I, we, Rachel and I got married, and I, it was my assumption that we'd agreed to adopt a 30-year-old and be done with it. And just have grandkids. But we didn't follow our plan. But maybe, the, the, maybe it's gardening. Maybe it's Maybe it's fishing. Maybe it's golf. Maybe it's there, there's something. Maybe it's time with your spouse. Or maybe, maybe what, what? And it could be a, a, a million different things. 
Maybe you've just connected with this group of friends that just uplifts you. Maybe it's your small group. What is saving you right now? And I would argue, whatever is saving you at this moment, that's what God is like. That's how God rolls up on us sometimes. And often when He does, often when God shows up, it's in ways that we would have never expected. It's in ways we would have never mapped out. It's in ways that we would never have guessed. But we feel this peace and we feel this beauty in our lives that we didn't have before. And why aren't we giving God the glory for that? God rolls up in ways that you will never predict and you will never imagine. And if we start speaking, if all we have to do is start labeling and stop, stop labeling God and start labeling other things as from God. Start refusing to just let God out of the building and start letting him into everything. When I play, play piano, it may sound ungodly, but it is very godly. It's, a, it's how God works and changes me and affects me. When I read a good book, when I play basketball and do well and don't almost die, there's, some, there's something about us. God created us like this. To experience Him in ways that you never thought. When I, was, I was raised, God is in the singing and the praying and the communion. And He is, that's right. He's very much in those things. But I would argue, if you start finding God in places that you didn't expect Him, when you come and experience Him with the church in places where you've always expected Him, it'll be more than you've ever expected. You'll be able, you'll experience God here more the more you experience God out there. The more you worship Him, maybe another word. That I'm not giving credit to the gardening. I'm not giving credit to the music. But I'm giving glory to the God who has blessed me with it. I would argue this is a new way to live. A way that has this, this new eye open to what God is doing around us. How he is saving us right now. God can use anything to connect with you. And I believe God often does use anything to connect with you. And sometimes we just mistake those for just niceties of life. When God is connecting with you all the time. Whatever is good. Whatever is holy. Whatever is beautiful or beneficial. Speak of these things. Not just... That those things are good. But that God is in the good of this world.
and we can connect with God there. You do not have to wait for Sunday to feel connected to God. You do not have to wait for congregational singing or for a sermon or for communion to connect with God. God is aching to connect with you wherever He can. And I think if you accept that invitation, what you'll find is this experience, the prayer, the communion, the beauty that is here, will be greatly increased by being aware of what God is doing out there. I think the disconnection we feel with God often is of our own doing because we would just like God to be here. Or maybe that's how you were raised thinking and that's just it's hard to get away from that. But this week, find what's beautiful around you. How is God rolling up in your life? And you're not going to say, well, it was a mighty wind or it was a great voice I heard, but you may have to say things, it's like gardening. It's like music. It's like sport. It's like family. It's like grandkids. It's like love. That's what God is like. We can't put our finger on God. We can't label Him. We can't put Him in a place. We, can't, we, we just can't do it. But if you look around you, you'll find a lot of ways that God is rolling up in your life. That He's speaking to you. Redeeming you. How is God saving you right now? Find the answer. And actually, I think it's pretty obvious. There's something that, there's something. And you know, when you really think about it, oh, that's, yeah. Children are like this. Um, Children, one child is different than another child. Boys are different than girls, and girls are different than girls. And so we've got three very unique children. Um, and, and what soothes one doesn't soothe the other. When Clara was really young, she'd get, sort of get to that point where she was not just upset about what happened, not upset about what happened, but upset that it happened. And so she was doubly upset, hurt her knee, oh, my knee hurts, why does my knee hurt, like that second level upset when you're a kid, and I would sit with her, and I'd hold my hand in front of her, and um, I would say, I said, I said, sweetie, just count, count daddy's fingers, one, two, three, and she'd count my fingers, really early, she was pretty smart, she'd count, count to ten, the reason I did that was because the, the part of your brain that does the counting is, is on a different side than the part of your brain that does the emotional stuff. So I, I'd get her doing logic instead of emotion. That never worked with Macy. I thought I was so smart when I was like, look at me, super dad. I know about brain hemispheres. 
Then Macy comes along and I count my feet. I don't want to count your feet. What's how I don't know what to do. And I've just handed her Rachel and run crying out of the house. And so I, each, each child needs things differently. And God doesn't universally comfort and connect with everyone on the planet. He connects with you the way you need to be connected with. If God knows every hair on your head, He knows all of the right buttons to push to connect and soothe and save and redeem your every moment. It's already happening. It's crazy as what this sermon isn't me telling you, go out and do something different. It's already happening. All you've got to start doing is labeling it God and glorifying Him for it. Worshiping God, worship God for what He's already doing. Give God credit for what He's already done. This is the God who loves you, redeems you, saves you. And if, if, if you need... If you want to turn to this God today and be connected with Him in Jesus, if you want to change your life and repent of, of your ways and start giving God glory and worshiping Him outside these walls, we are absolutely willing to pray with you, to baptize you, to, to, to sit in counsel with you, hold you accountable, whatever you need from us. Please come forward while we stand and while we sing.